biggest games. The biggest events. Wow, the crowd is on their feet. The biggest stories. This is what you signed up for, Seth. I thought it was just in the game. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the ESPN Esports Podcast. I'm Rachel, and I'm joined by Jacob and Tyler on the desk today. How you guys doing? Welcome to Bristol, Connecticut, Tyler. Wow, it's it's not 105 degrees here. I mean, yeah, but you're bored out of your mind because there's nothing else to do outside of here by ESPN, and I I'm not totally convinced that that's not intentional. Uh, the fact that the fact that it's like work and sleep, but on and the, work and sleep. On the brighter side, it's Tyler's second time in almost a year, so you've been. Keeping your distance from our main office, um, so I feel like that deserves some applause. <laughs> every time I every time I go to an event, they're like, "Where do you live?" And I was like, "In Central Connecticut." And they're like, "Why the hell do you live in Central Connecticut?" And I was like, "I I don't know." And it's like I guess the best I guess the best <laughs> part of it all sad. the best part of it is like I'm two and a half hours from New York and I'm two hours by Boston and I have a car, so it's like I guess it works out, but still, yeah. You really like trees. That's why you live here. You really, really like trees. And mountains. That was, blocked my ti- TV line. It was ten times more depressing until I got uh, an apartment in a more hip part of the city. But, like, still, it's still not great. Dude, I live so. in a valley, so literally I get no TV channels except Fox News and PBS. I used to live up on a hill, and I would I would ask my girlfriend jokingly, uh, what do you call a dog who lives in the mountains? And I would say a hill doggo because I lived on top of a mountain and I had a dog. So that was my... <laughs> Jacob's already making dad jokes, and we're not even five minutes into the podcast. (laughs) So esports. All right, yes, esports. Let's talk about the post that came up today. Uh, South China Morning Post recently put out a piece where the president of the International Olympic Committee, Thomas Back, basically said, violent video games have no place at the Olympics, but esports are still in the running. Uh, For those of you who don't know, the IOC basically sets out to maintain the ethics and integrity of sports at Olympics, and I say that with very heavy air quotes. Yeah, so uh, I really find this very interesting in the fact that the IOC um, came out a few months ago, maybe it's almost a year now. Uh, It was right after I started here, and I remember writing a story about it, basically lobbying very hard for esports to be a part of the Olympic Games in the next future uh, in L.A., and then... I can't even remember where the one is after LA. Uh, but the, the next few set of Olympic Games, they lob- they're lobbying very hard for it. So to see this and to see that, one, no one else had figured this out before this article, right, that no one had questioned it hard enough to realize what is your potential game lineup, and then to see that they were lobbying for esports but aren't going to include violence, I'm very confused because – what does that mean? Yeah, well, technically, like Dota and League are fantasy violence. Yeah, I think they so. really have to redefine what violence really is in this context. Um, lots of people are speculating that this means games like CSGO and League are out of the running completely, which gives games like Rocket League and even Splatoon a chance to shine. So I'm really uh, like coming back to that point too. I think the reason they're not talking about specific games is because of publisher rights. Right, you have to get publisher approval to be able to use the games in this setting. And I, they definitely don't have that yet. Uh, I'm sure, sure we will hear when they do get publisher rights. But yeah, I mean, I guess like if you think about it, every top esport is 
violent per se in air quotes. Um, it's just fantasy violence versus actual, actual like gun violence in the case of Call of Duty, Counter Strike, etc. Right. And Tyler, what are your thoughts on it? I think it just shows that they don't really know what esports are. I think they know it has a lot of money and there's a lot of people interested in it, but I don't think they understand the entire scope. I think when they think of esports, they think of FIFA, they think of Madden, they think of NBA Live, they think of Candy Crush. <laughs> they don't really think of League of Legends or Dota. They 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 know of them, but they don't. They're thinking more of like, oh hey, we can put you know FIFA at you know this event and do it and have a gold medalist and all that. And I don't think they realize that that's not where the money or the eyeballs are in esports. Right, and it seems a little counterintuitive, right? Because if you're promoting a non like a quote non-violent game like Madden or FIFA, like those are games that still have athletes who get injured so it's like some simulation of violence bring, at that point just bring football and basketball to, like basketball's already at the olympics just bring football to the olympics i mean you know? boxing is one of the most prestigious sports at the olympics like yeah. and i would it, consider when, that violent yeah yeah winning a gold medal in boxing is such a huge accomplishment it's like it's a pride for a country like if you're in like slovenia and you win a gold medal in boxing you're seen as a hero and That's, wrestling's a thing too so exactly. it's like, yeah. uh, like actual wrestling and rugby professional wrestling but one day I'm just very, I'm just very confused by this. Um, I and I also think one of the things that I more recently thought about as we were talking about this topic before the show, uh, one of the things I thought about that no one's actually mentioned is um, publishers kind of do their own style of world event anyway, like world country specific events. So you'll get Overwatch World Cup, which is going to happen at BlizzCon this year and has been going on throughout the last four months ish you look at all-stars uh for league of legends which is a country associated uh thing as well so like are publishers actually going to look at the olympics and take this seriously because i think sometimes as a community we pigeonhole ourselves into we want to be like traditional sports and i think in certain cases such as the ncaa that we talked about the week before we don't need to be because we are very much our own thing as a community. So I don't necessarily think that publishers are going to take this very seriously yeah. yet. Yeah, and I think that there is this sense of hypocrisy that comes from this situation when you're excluding big three esports in order to promote this agenda of nonviolence that simply doesn't exist at the Olympics. And it honestly reminds me a lot of when they only let amateur basketball players join the national team and the U.S. just got rocked every year you're setting yourself up for a failure when you're not putting in your star players and in this case your star games if you want esports to succeed you kind of have to listen to the endemic audience um but yeah as you mentioned why do we need them and why do we care so much about what and, they think and that's why counter-strike in particular is something i can speak to that's why counter-strike very much dislikes some of the larger brands that come into into esports because they don't want anything to do with violence and i understand that that guns are a very sensitive topic particularly in our country the u.s with everything that's happened recently but just in within the last few years like gun violence has been very extreme and it's become a very sensitive topic i, I get it uh but even a decade ago when it was not nearly as sensitive that there wasn't as much cultural differences around it and a lot of spat between it uh you had people like cgs like changing terrorist and counter-terrorist counter to completely different things on television because that was unacceptable and that's why counter-strike as a community looks at things like this and looks at things uh looks at people who refuse to touch their game as just basically silly we don't need them we're the second biggest community in esports and we have support from people like turner uh why do we need anyone else and tyler what do you think about maybe the generalization that since league of legends has like 
a fantasy version of violence that shouldn't be shown at the Olympics. Again, I think it's the Olympics are run by people who don't understand esports. They don't understand video games. It's just like the NCAA. They see it's popular. They see there's money there, and they want to capitalize on that. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about money, and these people see that money is coming, and it's it's kind of disheartening. The biggest thing, and this is something I talk to universities about, this is something I talk to older sports organizations, whether that be broadcasters, tournament organizers, etc., that try to come into esports, is they don't uh, – if they don't do it, the reason they're not doing it is because they don't think it will bring value to what they're doing. So in the case of uh, universities, I've talked to a lot of universities who have considered and have brought in front of their board varsity esports programs and have not done it, their reasoning being – yeah, we don't need it to get enrollment in our school. That's all this is uh, for the Olympics. It's the, all it is for collegiate esports at this point is does this get us more attendance? Does this get us more viewership, right? Does this get the Olympics a younger audience that esports obtains? But if they're going to do it where it's going to be your sports sim games or it's going to be – it's not going to include your top esports because of lack of fantasy violence or lack of gun violence – you're not going to get that audience. That's not what you're looking for. And there are very few people, and uh, I recently met with the NBA people last week, and they're one of the few leagues I've met that gets this. Like, essentially, you're not getting your audience when you do sports sims because, pe- like, hardcore esports fans do not give a about sports sim games at all. Well, let's talk a little more, a little bit more about the community. Uh, Tyler, what do you think the general reaction has been from, you know, the endemic audience so far? Oh, about the Olympics? or yeah, about the Olympics and esports. Actually, during the Overwatch World Cup in LA two weeks ago, it was asked during the press conferences, "How would you, f- how, how do you guys feel? You know that esports is going to be possibly in the Olympics in 2024." And a lot of them looked at it and they just kind of shrugged and said, "That's cool. I mean, that means, you know, if it's in the Olympics, that means more people are watching, and more watching means more money." And I think everyone in esports just kind of wants a stable future. And having something like the Olympics, while it's not super important. In compared to having big sponsorships come in and big money, it is it does show some legitimacy to esports, and I think that's the thing that is kind of it scares a lot of people. They want to feel like they're at the big boy table, right? Like League of Legends pros want to feel like, hey, we're we're, we're just like you know people who play <laughs> in the MLS, or we make as much money as the people who play in the MLS. A lot of them. I mean, right. if, if you look at the salaries, a lot of the lower-end MLS players are making less than some of the mid-tier, high-tier LCS pros. Right. I would even argue that there was this amazing tweet during the Olympics last year where some, I, I forgot who said it. I'm sorry that I can't attribute this tweet, but basically the gist of it was the Olympics is a time for non-sports fans to finally get a chance to like watch sports. So really, who are you appealing to when you're rooting for an eSport at the Olympics? I agree. Yeah. That was supposed to be a joke that was supposed to get some laughs, but like I I guess my delivery was off. <laughs> wow. Jacob and Tyler just stared at me with nothing in their eyes like I just like egregiously offended someone. We're still in pain from the picnic yesterday. <laughs> All right. Uh, more ESPN esports in a moment. But first, we'd like to hear from you. Whether you're new to the podcast or have been listening for some time, we'd like to know how we're doing. Leave us a rating and a review. And if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe so we're easy to find next time. And if you subscribe in the ESPN app, we can send you an alert whenever we have a new episode. And you can al- always follow us. And tweet us your thoughts at ESPN underscore esports.
And we're back with the ESPN Esports podcast. Um, let's talk a little bit about the NALCS finals coming up this weekend. TSM versus Immortals. Uh, we have tried and true TSM, who's won a zillion championship titles. And on the other end of the rift, we have Immortals. Uh, their first finals, normally it's Cloud9 and TSM in the finals, but there seems to be a new rivalry brewing in town. And rivalries in league come and go, like the seasons, but this one seems to be really something special. I'm actually really excited excited about this final. I think this is going to be or is is one of the most hyped up finals we're ever going to have. I mean, Immortals is actually a new team that isn't Cloud9 or Canalogic Gaming. And, but you still have TSM, who are the most popular team in the league. So you have the two best teams in the league. I don't think anyone would disagree that they're the two best teams this season. And you have a lot of great one-on-one matchups. I mean, Bjergsen versus Pole Belter. Pole Belter actually is 1-0 against Bjergsen in LCS Finals back in Madison Square Garden when CLG upset TSM. And you have Hanser and Flame. Uh, Flame, one of the best top laners of all time. And Hanser on Twitter said that he will show that he is the best top laner in the league this Sunday when he plays in the finals against Flame. So I'm kind of disappointed, though, that it seems like the fans are not showing up to the final. Uh, so the attendance doesn't seem like it's going to match the hype of the final itself. Yeah, so in, in as Tyler mentioned, in very regular fashion, um, there is always this like big sellout for League of Legends tickets. It happened at Worlds last year. I actually ended up buying a ticket from StubHub. Um, Chico but, says sadly. Yeah. Um, there it tends to be this influx where they sell out within like a few hours. Um, but now we see a abundance of tickets on StubHub and SeatGeek uh, for like minimum of $5 for nosebleeds, which is a little surprising. I think people thought they would, would definitely sell out a lot more. I thought they thought they were going to scalp and sell them back for profit. Definitely not selling them back for profit, even though they were only... Tw- 25 bucks in the first place but if you bought in bulk which some of these people do bulk to resell a uh, very common practice in event buying or event ticket buying then you're, you're kind of screwed yourself so. right like our boss dan kaufman said boston is a actually a really small city like people underestimate its size because of its obnoxious fan base so they think they're bigger than they are but they're well, not really so new england as a region is a thing right but the reason um I necessarily it's not very easy to get from places like New York to Boston. It takes about four hours via train, four and a half hours via train. It takes me one and a half hours to drive. From New York to Boston? I drive fast. What can I say? <laughs> There's no way. I, yeah. I'm challenging that. Uh, challenge away, Jacob. I will challenge, challenge that because away. I just I just did that drive. Um, <laughs> Rachel, it, I'm starting to question like your Driving ability. I'm never. I'm never. <laughs> room, I'm never room, driving. Baby. I'm never driving in a car with I Rachel. I am never as the going the anywhere with Ray. I will just hitchhike, dude. First. If you're not going over ninety, then you're not going at all. Wow. All right. So, so just as an aside, there is a, a highway in Texas where you can pay a toll when you get to uh, the minimum speed is ninety miles an hour. So you know it's funny when you're going ninety miles an hour and someone passes you. Uh, anyway, yeah. on that note, um, New England is is actually an incredibly small region, and I was a little skeptical when they announced this. They've done a lot of uh, – they've tried to do this East Coast events. They did uh, Toronto previously, which Tyler was there and said was great. Um, they did Tallahassee with MSI final or MSI uh, a few years ago, which was awful. Uh, attendance was good, but it was still awful. Yeah, um, we like to forget that one. It's an easy place to get to in the South, but it was a terrible venue. Um, also, it's sorry, Tallahassee. Sorry, Florida State and your uh, Indian on horse mascot. Um, I'm not anyway, sorry. Anyway, um, I, I maybe I'm biased. I'm sure I am. But uh, if you're going to do anything in the, the 
east in the east part of the country, go to Atlanta because it's easy to get there, it's cheap to get there, and it's easy to drive. Jacob's um, gonna be a big proponent for Atlanta until every esport event is in it, Atlanta. It works. DreamHack made it work. They had good attendance. Uh, e League makes it work like every single year. Um, anyway, so yeah, Boston, Boston, and New England is small. It's hard to get there from anywhere anywhere else. You have to drive all the way around. Uh, it's not an easy drive. Hotels comes... are super expensive. Yeah, they are. I, I was just there this past weekend and had to pay like two fifty a night. And I was looking for this event, and it's like close to three hundred dollars a night. I got like a steal on a hotel, but good lord, it's it's ridiculous. All right, back to the matchup really quickly. Yesterday at our company picnic, we were talking about our favorite esports teams, and Tyler said CJ Blaze, and I'm guessing mainly because of Flame. How does it feel watching the former best top laner in the world set himself up for another championship final? I like to say not. He, he's currently not the best top laner, but he, he's getting there. I think he's honestly, no hyperbole, he's probably top 10 in the world right now, and I think he has a chance at Worlds to bump up that up. I think he could easily be top 5. Uh, I interviewed Flame right when he got off, like pretty much a day or two after he got to America from uh, Korea, and he he took it. I asked him about, hey... How did it feel to get benched for two years? And he literally sat there for five minutes just kind of trying to find the words, even in Korean. Like, he couldn't really express himself. And when he finally said something, he was like, I never felt like I wasn't good enough. He always felt he was good enough to be a professional player and be a starter. He just never had the chance. And I think a lot of that was his maturity. He talked about a lot of this. I interviewed him right after the semifinal where they stomped CLG 3-0, and he said, he, th- he sees esports now as a job. He sees it, uh, he is truly a programmer now. Before on CJ Blaze, he did it for fun. And he did it for just because he was good at it. Now he does it because he sees it as a, a career. I think there's a really bad connotation for with a lot of the players that went to China and came back to um, during that time period, during the, the exodus. Came so back what, to Korea, you mean? Yeah, came back to Korea from China after kind of taking the paycheck that kind of doesn't exist in China. Very rarely it's not as... Uh, big as it was and as plentiful as it was um so i think that that probably hit him pretty hard and i don't know i mean he wasn't even a starter on that lgd team yeah uh, acorn, acorn was, was a starter right? they, so. they split time for half the year and then the team realized hey acorn plays better with the team flame i mean individually they were both elite players but yeah. acorn just fit better and then yeah. same thing happened in longju expression fit better with the team and he got benched so i think i think the longju is a tragedy let's just i think the immortals dynamic was really important for Flame because they have a, a really open dynamic, in my understanding, compared to some of the other teams that are very hardcore. So he's in a little bit more of an open uh, open environment, relaxed environment, even though they very much want to win. Um, also, they he wasn't like their second choice. As soon as they lost Hooney, as soon as that Hooney got out of his contract and went to SKT, the first person they were on the phone with was Flame. And they were actually on the phone with Flame before like Hooney notified them, like, hey, I'm going to leave. And before Huni like actually made the final contractual cut, they were on the phone with Flame. So like it was very quick. He was the first person they thought of, and I think that he respects that that he is no longer choice number two. Um, and so I think I think it's very important to be in the environment that he's in now. And uh, we actually said in our power rankings at the very beginning of the year that this would be a summer team. They were going to be a good team, but they were very much a team built to mesh over a period of time. And I think that time has has passed, and now they are one of the, the best teams. In the West, right. uh, period. But Hanser has been the best top laner of the summer season so far. No, yeah. you don't agree, Tyler? Uh, the, the, some days, the best top laner in NA. Some days, literally a top three, top four top laner in the world. No question. He's he's insanely good. 
Uh, right below someday is Flame and Haunter. Uh, both of them are elite level. I think I think both Haunter and Flame will do us well at uh, Worlds, but I think someday is just a cut above. He's he was a li- he was the second best top laner in the world, a top ten player last year, and then KT was like, hey. Uh, we're gonna kind of kick you to sign the best top lane in the world, Smeb. So uh, have fun. Go go make some money in NA. Bye. Loyalty. Oh, loyalty. That's a thing. Um, non esports. Well, I guess. Well, my question was between Flame and Hanser in this matchup, who can make a bigger impact on the games as a whole? Like, who can be that team player that fits into whatever dynamic the team needs in order to adapt and win? Actually, I think it's Hanser. Um, I. Not saying he's a better player, but when it comes to that, I think he slightly more diverse in the fact that his team is built of two people who like to resource uh, are very heavy resource and like resource farm and bot lane with double lift and mid lane with Bjergsen. Um, so I think it's very important for him to be dynamic, whether they give him resources or they take it away from him, and he's basically a star top laner. Um, so I think that he is a slightly more dynamic, but I I do think that Flame might be the better player. So uh, it I think it's very dependent on. On that, I 100% agree. I think uh, Hanser has communication. Flame's English is, as someone who's talked to him throughout the year, his English gone, has gone a lot better, but it's still at a stage where it's not going to be 100% like teleport plays, you know, flanks. They're still not at Hanser's level because he can communicate in English in a split second perfectly. I think Flame has the higher ceiling in a 1v1 matchup. I think Flame's potential is super high now that he's actually motivated and he's being trusted and I think that what Jacob said about being the number one player and not having to fight another person while it will make you a stronger player in the end having the trust of Noah and Song and his teammates and them believing in him he was not good last season he was a very poor top laner his teleports were not good he did not communicate with the team and he just kind of flamed out and he and the team could have you know gone a different way they could have imported a new player or they could have benched him and got a sub but they believed in flame and he is totally repaid their faith and it shows a lot and I think this Sunday he's going to have this is his moment he's never won a final uh as a starter in his career the last time he was a starter in the final was 2013 uh OGN spring uh versus MVP own zone where he was considered the best player in the world this was right before Fager's ascent and that was the night his uh kind of his stardom died a little bit when he got 3-0'd by Dade and home I think that was a great way to wrap up the top lane discussion. Wow, you have like a photographic memory because... I really like Flame. Yeah. <laughs> um, another role I want to talk about really quick before we sort of wrap things up is the jungle role, which is um, we had that switch between Xmithy and Dardoch, which was kind of viewed as a what the f*** moment at the time, but... Xmithy has really meshed well with the Immortals team, and some say he's become sort of the backbone to their success. How do we see him facing off against Sven this weekend? So I remember that that trade when that happened, if you want to call it a trade. It, it was weird and convoluted. Um, anyway, again, I think you're right. It was a what-the-fuck move. Uh, but I think that it worked out for both parties for the majority uh, majority of the time until Dardock moved on to Liquid. Um so I think you're right. Uh, Smithy, Immortals needs, and what Immortals needs is they have the talent. They are not the best talent in, in all of NA. I think TSM is the best talent uh, wrapped up in a bundle in NA. But what Immortals is is they're all about team cohesion, and I think that that's what Smithy was better at than Dardoch. 
And Smithy is very relaxed. He's a much uh, he's a seasoned veteran. He's played this game for a very long time at a high level. Um, they have two very young players in uh, Ale and in Cody Sun. I almost said Massacre. Uh, anyway, in <laughs> uh, Cody Sun in the bottom lane. So they need someone that can sort of mentor and and promote uh, a very healthy environment rather than being all star players like TSM. So they are kind of your your team cohesion team, and I think that Smithy fits very well into that mold and is a good leader because he's also an older player than most of the people in this team, whereas TSM is your your bag of all-stars, basically. Tyler, thoughts? Here he hit the nail on the head with Fix Smithy. Going on to TSM, Spenskarin, while he has not had the best regular season play um, over the last few years, he is a playoff superstar. He, uh, even back in the Europe LCS on SK, I remember games in the playoffs where he would just pick Lee Sin and he would put everyone on his back and just carry them to victories. And last uh, last season in the finals against Cloud9, again, he showed up. And I think it will be a battle again of Smithy. It's two junglers who have a lot of experience. And while Xpenskaren isn't the leader of the team, he's a player who kind of in the big moments when the team needs him, he shows up. That's why TSM hasn't, you know, gotten a sub or replaced him at all because just like Flame, like, both T- uh, Mortals trust in Flame. TSM has total trust in Scarin, and they've watched him grow over the last what two years. And he's transformed not just as a player, but as a person. The the son Scarin of what two and a half years ago, three years ago, you cannot recognize now. He's grown up a lot. Uh, I think that both of these players are similar because they're older. Uh, son Scarin and Smithy. They there's a lot to be said about um, just having someone older, whether they're the leader or not uh, of the pack. They're, they are. Older and they provide sort of a mature viewpoint, and I think that Swinscaren, along with Double if are kind of those two people in that team. Swinscaren more so. Um, he's matured a lot since he played for SK Gaming, and while he's not the best jungler in NA when it comes to talent, uh, he certainly does provide uh, that seasoned veteran approach to being kind of a glue to a team. And I think Smithy and Swinscaren are both very similar in that regard. All right, nice. Good. Ra- everyone's doing their wrap ups of like different lanes and stuff and roles yep that's called a preview to rachel <laughs> uh the last matchup i want to talk about is bjergsen versus Pullbelter, the most consistent mid laner in the nalcs versus someone who's been on the rise bjergsen is the kind of player who can do pretty much anything in my opinion he can do more with less he's basically the mid lane wonderkin the one pillar of consistency in TSM no matter how many different iterations there have been. So where does that leave us? This uh no player has more weight on his shoulders this final than Pole Belter. I think any other player who loses even on any side they'll be okay with it. I think this is Pole Belter's big moment because I think a lot of people overlook him as a player just because he's North American. If Pole Belter was Korean or Danish or German or not North American, I think people would look at him in a better light. But because he's North American-born, people kind of disregard him. The only NA mid laner that really gets a lot of respect is High. So I think this final is pretty much, if if Pole Belter can beat Bjergsen again in a second straight final, I think people will finally start looking at Pole Belter and be like, wow, you're not just a top 10 NA mid laner. You are actually a world-class player, and you actually do have the potential to go to Worlds and do some damage. I think that Paul Belter's career is based on circumstance, right? I think that um, he was in a extremely mismanaged and mediocre team when he was on Evil Geniuses slash Winter Fox. Winter Fox. Uh. Yep. Oh, um, Winter Fox. 
So I think that a lot of people, and then he was on a best team when he was playing with the CLG squad that was Smithy again, uh, Smithy mm-hmm. and Doublelift that ended up eventually, and Darshan that eventually won that MSG final two years ago. Um, so I think a lot of people look at Pobelter in the sense that like, oh, he's just on a good team. Uh, I don't think you can necessarily say the same thing about him in this case. Uh, his team is not made up of an all-star like Doublelift or Darshan. Um, his team is, again, very much not, like, they're kind of the band of misfits who have gone through a lot of different things, plus two, like, I don't want to say always a rookie, but he's basically, he's a young guy. He's played very little uh, aside from what he's played in smaller regions. Um, so... In, in that note, I think that Pobelter has been looked at that way because of the teams that are built around him. He was bad, he was bad in air quotes, on a bad team. He was good on a team made of All-Stars. Um, so this is his time to prove. This is the time to prove that he's actually a good player after being in the scene for like four or five years. So I think this is his moment to finally show he's made of something. Right, but realistically, like, how will he stack up against Bjergsen? I mean, we just can't count him out. He, like Sven, he's a playoffs monster. He is a regular season monster. He's just a monster in general. I don't know how much, and maybe Tyler, you disagree with me, I don't know how much of an impact mid lane will have in this final. I think it will be important, but I think that this final isn't necessarily like previous versions of League of Legends where, like, you look at one role has just this massive, uncomparable impact like AD carry in mid lane. I don't think that's the case here. So I Is think... the meta still 5v5 mid? Or has that... No worries. I mean, we're all guessing at this point. But, I mean... In this matchup, I, f- I honestly feel like Bjergsen's still going to take it. Like, as much as I love Pole Belter and as much as I love watching his growth and as much as the narrative is driven behind him to finally prove himself, I just think Bjergsen is the stronger laner. He's going to roam and then bam. I think it'll come down to which uh, what Jacob says. Whichever team plays better on the day uh, as a team, I think, it's, I think top lane is probably the most important matchup when it comes to who's going to win just because... It's going to come down to who can make the teleport play, who can make the flank play. And if Flame can, you know, have the perfect communication of his team like he had, he's had at times of the season, uh, Immortals can win the series and they can become the number one seed in NA, which really doesn't mean much since T- TSM themselves kind of lost the pool one seed for uh, NA at MSI. I totally forgot about that yeah. for a second. Oof. I think there's something to be said. Uh, this is one of the more balanced versions I can remember of League of Legends in a while when it comes to role dynamics. Um, you aren't necessarily looking at one specific role as much as you used to. Um, so I do think that team play matters a lot more than individual play. I am inclined to agree with you that Bjergsen does win the matchup. I just don't know how much of an impact a win matchup unless he just crushes him, which I don't see that, that being the case. I, I don't see how much of a lane matchup besides top lane. Uh, necessarily puts you super far ahead to win a game. It's not like mid laner gets fed, we all win the game. It's not that simple anymore. This game is a lot different than it was two and, two and a half years ago. All right, final predictions for scores. Tyler, why don't you go first? I really like Flame. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm calling my shot now. It will be TSM will win the first two games. Immortals will win the last three. Wow, reverse sweep. Immortals will win. Uh, Flame's going to get a pentakill on a Kali top lane oh my God. out of nowhere. And uh, Immortals is going to go on to Worlds, and they'll probably, like all NA teams, lose in the group stages. So 
I'm not one to be so bold, so I'm going to go with TSM 3-1, uh, but I think that I could be wrong. I think it's going to be TSM 3-2. Sorry, Tyler. I think Immortals will put up a fight if that counts for anything. I don't take moral victories. <laughs> and both parties qualified to Worlds anyway, so yeah. why does it matter? That's true, and there's oh, no... okay, so why are we doing the podcast then? What's the point of yeah, it? Yeah, what's the it's... point of esports anyway? <laughs> the first place match and the second or and the third place match this week mean more about seeding for Worlds slash the Gauntlet than they do actual results. I'm so. picking Dignitas in the third place match, by the way. 3-0 Dignitas. They're playing CLG? CLG? Okay, yeah. Mm, I think it's going to... I don't think it's going to be 3-0. 3-0. 3-1. 3-1 Dignitas, yeah. I hope Dignitas... I actually do hope Dignitas does make Worlds as the third NA team. I I really want to see someday on the world stage. And Alltech and Adrian, really, really good bottom lane. And I really want them to go to Worlds. Speaking of misfits. uh, Anyway, uh, yeah, I think think 3-1 Dignitas. All right. We didn't get a good chance to talk about the third place match, but... Who really cares? Um, we talked about first place, and that's what matters, because first place is the only thing that matters. No one cares about losers here. <laughs> uh, and like Tyler said, we don't care about moral victories. All right, that's it for our podcast today. Thank you, Jacob and Tyler, for joining me. For more esports features, you can check out ESPN.com slash esports, or you can follow us on Twitter, at Rachel Yonggu, at Jacob and Wolf, and at Fionn on Fire. See you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the ESPN Esports Podcast.